Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, July 27th, 2021. I am Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And I'm arts and culture writer, Ashley Steves. I mean, as always, make sure that you're on our Patreon for Broadway Radio. That's patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. It's not hard. Just click that link, baby. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is the top of the week for Ashley and I. And we've both had... We've had long days. Oh, it's been it's been a Monday. It's absolutely yeah. been a Monday with a like extra large capital M. Uh, extra large. I literally just wrapped with Broadway Records doing yes, that live stream with yeah. Drew Gasparini and all of the morons from Moron Mountain. That's what they call oh, themselves. Okay. It's I was not like, like, wow, harsh. They're a bunch of morons. No, no, no. Very harsh. Affectionately, they are na- they are self-named the morons. Nice. I like uh, it. But yeah, so it was super fun. And you can watch it on YouTube. We had a blast. It did get away from me. The stream got That's away from me. It's fair. It's fair. There's a lot of moving <laughs> parts there. It's too much. But uh, I guess we'll head right into the news because we have some exciting stuff at the end of this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Hit it. Let's do it. So it's a big day for theater today as a new chair is named to succeed David Henry Huang and previously Ted Chapin. Broadway costume designer Emilio Sosa. Emilio is a Tony-nominated costume designer, having previously worked on The Gershwins, Porgy and Bess, Motown the Musical, and The Upcoming Trouble in Mind. And they are the official new head of the American Theater Wing as the new chair. I mean, the more people of color in positions of power, the more and in these like historical institutions, the better off we are at creating a more equitable arts society. I mean, this is this is a big deal. Yeah, this is really exciting. Uh, as you mentioned, like any kind of position of power, but especially one that, you know, we don't really like to say that award shows are important because they barely are, but they are important. <laughs> And to have like something, someone presiding over the wing, uh, certainly, at least in theory, ushers in the potential for more people to be recognized for their work, more people of color to be recognized for their work. So this is great. Yeah. And I also didn't realize like that we needed a new chair. I was like, oh gosh, that's right. The American <laughs> Theater Wing. Let's yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> right. I lose track yeah. of this stuff. Exactly. And of course, you know, we've got the impending Tonys coming up. So just Ooh, saying. What? what are those? I know. I, I, does Matt still do? Because I, I mean, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't really do it on the shows that I'm on. Um, no, he, he doesn't. Up. He he gave up. He gave okay. up the day of just like that. He quit. <laughs> but I mean, are the Tonys really happening? We'll find out, I guess. To quote your favorite musical, Tony, Tony, Tony. Exactly. There you go. All right. So I feel like this is more of your cup of tea, but I'm kind of unsure, Ooh, uh-huh. so I'm kind of testing the waters here, but casting has been announced for the um, upcoming Exorcist trilogy from Universal. It's going to star Tony winners Leslie Odom Jr. and Ellen Burstyn, and it's like the first in, a, in like a new set of films to be released in theaters in 2023 with the two sequels that are going to be on streaming services. Is that your vibe, Ashley? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. cool, cool. <laughs> I, I was like, I have a feeling in the world, but I don't know if it's true. Yeah, I am a, I'm a horror movie slut for sure. Uh, I'm not a big on like Exorcist movies, though of course like the original is you know the pinnacle. Um, but it's it's Leslie and Ellen. How can you not yeah. want to watch that? I- I'm a, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic because I kind of have to be. Um, so I guess we'll see in like 2023 when we get the first one. But I'm always I'm really I'm especially in you know we talked about one night in Miami and Leslie being in that. I, I am always thrilled to see him get more screen time, uh, just because, you know, he's a beautiful and lovely person, but also he's yes. immensely talented and I think he should be in everything. No, we 
We doubly agree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we could we could have a separate podcast about how we feel this about is Leslie, the Leslie Adam, Adam Jr. Jr. podcast. So, which, by the way, just as a shout out, you guys should stream his album. Oh my gosh, Always. his All solo album is so good. Mm. I think he has a Guilty Ones cover from Spring Awakening that I think is one of the best Ooh, covers of all time. Yeah, it's very sexy. We're gonna take a moment and talk about our sponsor. <laughs> Who needs segways? Who needs segways? <laughs> I am certainly not good at him. Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about our sponsor. For for this week, ExpressVPN. So uh, I don't know if you knew, but I am mm. i am actually not tech savvy. What? And um, it keeps getting worse. Yeah, like I, I cannot keep up with everything that's going online. And especially when it comes to like safety, I feel like one thing that I've learned in the most recent years, especially last week, is that using the internet without ExpressVPN is a dumb choice. It's like <laughs> being on a train and making a phone call and putting it on speakerphone. Oh, no one does that. I hate them. I hate yeah. it all. They're the worst people. It's unsafe and rude. <laughs> it's both of those things. Yeah, if you're tech savvy or not, you need a VPN. Internet service providers like Comcast and Verizon, they know every single website you visit. And those ISPs can sell this information to ad companies, tech giants. They'll use that data to target you. Also unsafe and rude. Yeah, when it comes to staying secure online, ExpressVPN is kind of the best option. I mean, they've got, they're the number one rated VPN by CNET, Wire at the Verge, and it creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the rest of the World Wide Web so that nobody else can see what's going on. All the things that you're doing online, that's for you, baby. And nice and safe. Yeah, nice and safe. It's incredibly easy just to fire up the app, click one button. It works on your phone, your laptop, your tablet, your smart TV, even your router so that everyone who sharing your Wi-Fi, including your downstairs neighbor, they can be protected. <laughs> I hope not. They can get their own. But uh, we we keep talking about ease of use. We've talked about how much coverage it has across different devices. Depending on where you are in the world, you can't watch things on other streaming services in other countries. But with ExpressVPN, you can. I recently recommended, as <laughs> I've talked about before, In the Heights uh, in Canada can't be watched. <gasps> Got a friend in Canada can't use it on HBO Max, but with ExpressVPN, you can. Oh my gosh. So, a spoiler. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash broadwayradio today. That's expressvpn.com slash broadwayradio, and you can get an extra three months free. One more time, that's expressvpn.com slash broadwayradio. Also, I want to know, Ashley, like, what is your, uh, what's your Wi-Fi password? No, what is your <laughs> Wi-Fi name? Like, have you renamed oh, your Wi-Fi router? I haven't renamed it. I'm boring because it's a oh. pain and I don't want to deal with it. Okay. I'm well, sorry. There I'm goes sorry. that pet. I'm sorry. Have you? Well, my my Wi-Fi password slash uh, router name, not the password, I guess. Yeah, not the password. But my name is Georgia Peach Pork Buns. Oh, very nice. <laughs> it used to be Gilmore Girls themed. <laughs> Those used to be funny, but I don't know. I felt like Dragonfly Inn mm. was kind of lackluster. So I look forward to hearing what your new Wi-Fi name yeah, is. Yeah, I'll get to it soon. Don't worry. All right. Well, the movie adaptation of Everybody's Talking About Jamie is coming. I had, I had forgotten that that was coming this year, so I'm really excited to talk I about know. it. They're going to have an opening night premiere on the 39th annual Outfest with an outdoor screening on August 13th at Cinespia at Hollywood Forever in Los Angeles, and the rest of the world can stream it on Amazon September 17th. How I'm exciting! Really looking forward to this. Finally, it feels Everyone. like it's been it feels like it's been a while since it, it was. It has been a while. Yeah, and now we're finally getting it, and I will I mean, be absolutely delighted. I'm glad it's happening at Outfest too. That makes me very happy. 
Also, did you know that Bianca Del Rio is also in this version? Because yeah. they were performing in the one on the West End for like a short I stint. I know. I know. Like they're in the movie. Preserved. Preserved, Preserved that in time. Role. Love to see it. Yeah. All right. So speaking of things we love to see, Maestro Music, Musicians United for Social Equity, and Artists are Striving to End Poverty have launched Get to Work. I saw this all over the Twitter yeah. and all over Instagram. Shout out to Spotco. Um, it's a new <laughs> website dedicated to creating a more inclusive future for the theater industry. So the Get to Work website includes like 19 community partners. And the site is basically going to gather reports and statistics and provide action items for workers and fans to take part in industry change. I know a lot of people that have used Maestra in the past yeah, couple of months. Love them. Specifically, especially for like femme identifying uh, musicians. Hello. Here are just, uh, yeah, exactly. Which I know you are one. I mean, there's like a whole list of partner organizations that are involved. Asian American Performers Action Coalition, Black Theater Coalition, Black Theater United, Broadway Advocacy Coalition, Broadway for Racial Justice, Broadway Women's Alliance, The Dramatist Guild, The Lilies, Maestra Music, Ring of Keys, She NYC Arts, subtle plug for She NYC Arts and She Hey. So, uh, yeah, I was just so excited to see that this type of site is being created because I think it'll help launch sites that are similar with different sanctions yes. of theater performers. I don't know how you um, feel about this, Ash, but like... Oh, I love that. Yeah. And these the entire list of groups that you just named and organizations that you just named, I mean, we've been trying to prop them up, especially over the past year and a half, but I mean, forever and always because they're just doing amazing work. I 100% agree with you as far as I feel like creating something like this will lead to more. I think that's the intent. I think the intent of anything like this is always to create more space. So I'm yeah. I'm just I'm thrilled to see it and you know, more. Please more. Yeah, exactly. So I yeah, the more we can see this and then I hope that it trickles. That's really my key yep. is that I hope that it trickles down to regional and then it, we get to like community theaters because the more expansive like internet and like networks that we can include mm -hmm. artists on the better it'll be for theater all around definitely so i had the excellent opportunity because i am a part of broadway records yes. as well as broadway radio to discuss the new concept album edge of the world by ethan slater and nick blameyer and the reason I am so excited to bring you guys this interview is not only because like, cool, I get to marry my two worlds of Broadway yeah. Radio and Broadway Records, but because this is a freaking good album. Yeah, <laughs> I I am the, really I'm the one who listened. I haven't listened to the album. <laughs> I am the one who listened to the interview, yeah. though, to edit it. And I have to say, as soon as I was done, I'm like, I got to hear it. I am so excited. I, I love both of them. I've seen the, them yeah. both perform many times. Uh, it, so to have them come together to make something that just sounds really cool is really it's, exciting. It's a really great concept. And again, like people that have been able to create art in this time, I felt like a lot of people had the pressure to, but also, which kind of sucked. But the other half yeah. of that coin was that people had the space and time to like take care of themselves and go, hey, I really care about this project that I've been working on Definitely. in my brain forever. Let's collaborate on Zoom. And so they talk about that a lot. And, you know, you're going to get like a taste of that interview. You can get the full interview if you're on our Patreon, uh, which I highly recommend you listen to, yeah. not because I like to hear my own voice, but because they have a lot of great 
great things to say, which Ashley, I feel like can attest to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you can, you can hear the rest of it. Um, Her expert editing choices are going to be made on that, (laughs) but you can hear little, little snippets of that at the, at the end of this particular today on Broadway, it's brought to you by um, Broadway records, Ethan Slater, Nick Blameyer. The album comes out August 6th, everywhere you can stream music. Here you go. Take a listen to us. So I'm super excited to talk to you both about your new album, Edge of the World. And I just, I have so many questions. It's coming out August 6th. You can get it kind of anywhere that you listen and stream and buy music. Hopefully you buy it. Uh, so music works. Does that help you guys out? Like, does that yeah. work better than streaming? I mean, yeah. you know, it's all, it's, if it was for the money, we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. It's a pretty good like a true artist. Yeah. <laughs> It's not for the money, but if you can and want to buy it, dope. It costs money to make, and we'd love to pay it back. Oh, good. Um, I've gotten to listen to the album. I know that some people have gotten some like, I mean, you've already mastered it. It's done. Uh, and it's, it's so beautiful. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about how it was to write, create a concept musical in quarantine. Like, how were you guys able to communicate all of the things that you need to communicate when you're creating an album? Ooh, I mean, yeah, right. That, that's like the, that was the big question, I think. And I'm sure it's like, well, I would say a couple of things. One is that we started working on it before quarantine. So we were like mm. in similar head spaces about it. We, we knew what we wanted to do and what we needed to get done. Um, but then we somehow had to like, you know, cross thousands of miles over the internet in order to like make it actually happen and, you know, jump on Zooms and like work in a Google Doc and and all of that kind of stuff um, to like sort of make the collaboration happen. I feel like the the biggest thing about this was actually the recording itself, which I feel like you've experienced doing these, these interviews and these, and your podcast doing, you know, uh, Tell Me on a Sunday. Oh, Oh, yeah. Alum, Tell Me on a Sunday, alum. Um, but it's like, you know, like it's this thing where you're like telling stories over the internet when we did it, it was in person, but you know, I know now it's different. Um, and so like, I think one of the things that we were really fortunate about was that like a lot of schedules were freed up. So we got to work with some amazing people and, um, and do it, you know, across the country. I don't know. I'm just sort of rambling because it was like, it was a really weird, (laughs) hard experience. That's like a little bit hard to like solidify and get my hands around, but like somehow in the expanse and like way too far distances and never being in the same room, this was like a really awesome opportunity to connect with people and feel like we were in the same room. And so I'm I'm incredibly grateful for that. Totally. I mean, it's real, it's real proof of like where there's a will, there's a way. Mm -hmm. Like we're all very much, um, you know, trying to answer that question. I think when the, when the bottom dropped out for all of us in March, 2020, this question, I think for all, creators especially people who are midstream on stuff you know what the right way to to sort of honor this moment and not like um just like toss away something you're working on or in the opposite direction like rush it out um Mm. i think we both felt like okay so there's a version of this like we love concept albums superstar tommy um, yeah. and then like, more modern ones like myths and hymns and whatever. And it's like, okay, so if we love those as much, you know, maybe that's a version of, 
like an open workshop where we're showing you kind of where we are in process, but like making something that feels like it stands on its own is, is an indie pop album. Um, and that, that is sort of implies a, 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 a live visualization of it eventually, rather than like trying to create like a, you know, a zoom version or a, a like a movie in a year and a half or whatever. Mm-hmm. It became like really about how do we simulate being in the same room um, and that was like the amazing part was the way that people started playing off each other. Like the pianist would be playing off the drums and the bassist and they would never have been playing at the same time. Like all of this got arranged piece by piece. And, and that was just like a mind sort of, uh, uh numbing experience. <laughs> and then also like mind altering. Cause it was like, Oh my God, there is aliveness here. Like they mm. are responding to each other, even the, you know? Right. We would like replay things like somebody would play a part and then, you know, you know, Marco playing keys would hear it and be like, hey, uh, I actually want to redo this because like if I'd known you were playing that, I would have redone it this way. And so like there, there was that sort of liveness on stage feeling, which was pretty cool. Because mm-hmm. like when you're in the room, you can literally just look at somebody and not even have that conversation. Just be like, oh, let's go yeah and, right <laughs> but then you're like let i have to find the words and articulate like hey that phrase was kind of like dumb and then <laughs> i'm not saying that any of your music is dumb no, but no, know, but it's, it's yeah sort of thing, like i you can usually look at somebody and have that conversation but when you're not doing that you're kind of learning as an artist how to articulate with other people that are doing the same thing creating the same art which is good because yeah. i think one of the real challenges of collaboration is finding a way to communicate that inspires what you want out of your collaborators and mm-hmm. i think we ethan and i especially because we've been sort of the ones trying to lead the creative process have really had to be on the same page and sort of mind meld and a lot of the time like one of us can't be there for a note session or whatever and mm-hmm. It's really about just like trying to stay, trying to create that collective telepathic headspace that you're describing, um, you know, to simulate it as best as we can. Yeah. And this was like a real crash course in it. (laughs) Like, I feel like that's always sort of true. And this felt like, oh, yeah, learn. Well, because we're taught, hopefully, by somebody how to collaborate physically. And so we're never taught like how to collaborate or communicate like literally what we're doing right now (laughs) so i can't imagine how it was new world totally new world (laughs) yeah i mean who who knew um i (laughs) i'm curious now because you guys were just talking about it when were you like oh we should like fall in love and and um (laughs) write a musical together yeah Yeah. uh well we like we met working on spongebob were you doing, in that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, I was in SpongeBob. Nick was also in SpongeBob. The out of town. Got it. Got yeah, out of yeah, town. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I was out of town. Ethan uh, also was in it. Good. I was, okay. Yeah, I was in it as well. Uh, and, um, and, and Nick was also in it. And we, uh, we met doing like early development workshops, which is like mm-hmm. the best. It's, it's like my favorite part of anything is like, yeah. you're just like in a room trying to make things happen and like trying to, we, we were talking about this the other day, trying to like, just like create a vibe, like create the vibe. And so in, in like working to create that vibe, we both like picked up on each other's vibes and we're like, mm-hmm. yo, you're awesome. Um, and I knew Nick as a writer and I was, you know, still in school and Nick was gracious enough to like meet me as a writer as well. And, um, 
yeah, and I think we were just like, let's let's work on something together. And then I, I had been working on this thing and I asked him for help. And he was like, actually, I think I could, I think I know how to fit, how to make this better. And that's when we started working on Edge of the World together. It's a tricky thing, right? Because like, it's so vulnerable. And, and when people show you their work, it's it's just like, it's a really big honor because it's very, it's very much like, you know, you're gonna, whether or not they take your advice, you're going to shape their decision making process. And that's mm-hmm. just, it, it's kind of a lot of responsibility. And so I get really nervous about it when people ask me for help. Um, but for with Ethan, I, I just a, like, really trusted him right from the beginning. He's a great guy. And, and I knew I was working as an actor. And, uh, and then I listened to the, to the thing and it's like, no, I, I, I felt, I felt like pulled to it. Like immediately I was like, I know what this wants to, to feel like at the end. And if I can help with any sort of outside, eye, bring the, the granules of what Ethan had started with to, you know, fruition, then like that it's a, it's, it's sort of a, a, a wonderful position to be in where like, unlike a, a version where two people come up with an idea together and are equal sort of um, shepherds in that, like it was, I had this kind of relinquished responsibility where Ethan had like built this world and then it was like, okay, well now how do we make this world complete and blend mm-hmm. the emotional punch? And that was a, it was just like a really healthy version of, of partnership because I, I didn't feel like it's actually, it's more on Ethan than to, to push back against like, well, I think this from out from the outside and mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're inside of this. And what do you think? And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I became part of it and it was just like a very organic um, blending of voices. So can you guys give me like a brief kind of summary synopsis of what the show is about? Do you mind doing that? Yes. Yeah, um, I, I would. I'd rather not. I'd rather. Not. Um, no, no. That's yeah. Of course, uh, Nick. Do you want to do it? Do you want me to do it? Uh, I'll do it. Um, so All right. a, uh, <laughs> I know yours. I'm going to try to do mine. I don't even know what mine is yet. Um, so it's the story of uh, this guy named Henry, played by the great Norbert Leo Butz, um, who uh, is a research scientist, and he takes his son Ben out of society. Uh, to remote Alaska, um, this area where there's just uh, nobody for for miles and miles, and to kind of just like start over. And uh, in the process of that, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's taken his his son away from everything that he knows, and uh, his son sort of goes into his imagination to cope with his loneliness. And through the process of that, starts realizing. The difference between a father's conception of the world and the and the the version of the world that a dad passes down to their son and the world that this son is experiencing on his own. And the 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 clash between those two sort of leads to a clash between the son and the father, um, and asks some questions about, you know, what gets left out of of uh, the story that parents tell us. Um, and that Everything was just they want. Everything that they want to leave out. Yes, anything they want. And we find that out really late. I mean, that's just a, you know, a truth about all of us, right? Is that like parents are doing their best, but they're fallible humans. And by the time that you realize their fallibility, you are already ingrained with their lessons. 
And so that was a really fascinating idea of like, how do we musicalize that? And like, can the songs sort of have that kind of unreliable narrator uh, in them? And can we feel any of those exchanges in an album? Because uh, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, one thing we're really interested in is this idea of silence and that maybe is there maybe not a book to this show is it all done physically in silence in between the numbers and that the numbers are these x-rays in on what the characters are feeling um about this like huge change that they're dealing with but here i am surviving every single day it's hard to imagine living any other way as I try to build a life, one that's real and simple, it's hard to keep a hold of it, cause life is just a ripple. And as I try to see more clearly, peer behind the curtain, I'm troubled by this fear of mine, that nothing here is certain. about the song uh real and simple because like i started when i first heard it i went oh this seems this seems real ethan (laughs) i know that this show is like not autobiographical but is also autobiographical can you tell me a little bit more about that yeah yeah um yeah a couple of things about it one is that like the ways that it's not autobiographical are like i think pretty self-explanatory like (laughs) never moved to Alaska wasn't raised there. Um, this, you know, Henry isn't really my dad, but like one of the things that happened in my life when I was, when I was a kid, when I was seven is that my mom died. And that was like a really, um, you know, it's, it's like the big question that I've always been trying to answer with my life. Right. It's like the first thing that like became this big question mark. And I didn't really realize that I was doing that in sort of every iteration of anything I would write. But then this one was sort of an explicit exploration of that. And like, um, you know, this, I think the album's really fun and it has some like real fun vibes to it, but it's also this like story about grief and loss Mm -hmm. and um, how you deal with it as somebody who's a child, who's Ben's age, which was how old I was when my mom died, give or take, um, versus Henry, his father. And, you know, and so a lot of, a lot of Henry, he's, he's not my dad. But a lot of what I wrote in Henry is me trying to empathize with my dad and trying to like understand mm-hmm. what was going through his mind, trying to raise kids um, in the wake of this like tragedy, um, this really horrible thing. So like it, that is like where this show comes from is like this place of trying to understand my dad uh, and and like my deep love and admiration for him. Um. And also this like sort of maybe obvious metaphor that as a kid, I didn't know what to do with this big like hole in my life. And so I was creating things to fill it in. And that's why there's so much imagination in this world and that, that mm-hmm. feeling of isolation and yet like finding community within that isolation, you know, in, in edge of the world, he like creates these friends of his, his wolf friends. And, you know, he like, anyway, so <laughs> I think that's like my best sort of explanation uh, yeah. of how it's it's both not autobiographical um, and you know incredibly personal um, mm-hmm. in in a in a sort of kind of blunt way. Yeah, but, no, I I appreciate that. You know what I mean? Like, it's how do we find the way? How do we find ways to tell our stories 
and not like, you know, also we're telling a new story, but at the same time, like there's so much a part of you and in the art that you mm-hmm. create, right? So you kind of have to balance it all without breaking you in half because right. that, that can happen. Sometimes. Well, I think yeah. that's, that's a great point. Cause you know, for, for the, for everybody involved, right. The artists and the audience, it's a processing mechanism. Like you're using the art to figure out the imaginary. You're using the imaginary to figure out the real mm-hmm. and then it becomes real. And the people who see it graph their own imaginations and their own realities onto it. And we, we get to like tumble that down the hill. And so for me coming in, you know, it was both, it was both feeling like, A, I really want to protect Ethan uh, and Ethan's story from feeling like this needs to be like an exorcism in some way, because I think there's also just a really fascinating, like, actual plot in this idea of a dad taking a son out of society and what what society and isolation and nature you know sort of uh, how they compete for our attention and our allegiance um but also you know i i do think that um we just as humans have a lot of trouble talking about death and talking about um uh like really communing with the idea of our temporary time. And we all just sort of, you know, act immortal until something terrible happens. And then surprise, right, right. You act surprised. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if this could be a processing mechanism for that, for the audience, it certainly has been for me. And like, after the year we've had, you know, to be making this album in the middle of all of that, it became Mm -hmm. a processing mechanism for that. Um, And it's just like, it's, it's such a, you know, a universal thing that we all share that is really, mm. really hard to talk about. So mm. going to a play about it or listening to an album about it is actually a, a way of letting people deal with it in private, you know, rather than like having to, you know, get together and sit in a circle like a self-help group or something. No, it's too much. That's why we watch movies. We're right. like, oh, cool. Yeah. You did it for me. <laughs> you did it for yeah. me. I hope it's stuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nick, Tell me about uh, Space Dogs. Tell me about like all the other stuff that you're doing right now, because I get an email every day from MCC and I'm like, yes, I really like this graphic and I really like that this is happening. <laughs> Please tell me about it. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, the uh, the strange the strangest thing is, is that um, Ethan and I are sort of both in the same position in that like we both got these like really exciting sort of calls right before the pandemic <laughs> to do work that felt like, oh, we're really taking a turn in our um, our careers and getting to do something really new for both of us. And and so for me, I wrote this show called Space Dogs that is um, a two-man show that I wrote with my buddy Van Hughes. And it's about the dogs that went into space in the 50s and 60s in Russia. Yeah. And a true story that, that got mostly declassified in like 2002. So there's like a lot of stuff that was not being told to the public for the 20th century. Um, and it's just like a really weird kind of like Wayne's world, Ted talk, lonely Island kind of take <laughs> on, on this like very tragic, strange cold war space race uh, mm-hmm. story. Um, and like, I love dogs very much. And, um, and so we, we got the yes from MCC on March 9th, 2020. <laughs> And we were just like in, uh, you know, hysterics about how excited we were. And then it went away. And, and we, and what was so cool was that MCC was really like, and I think all of us, you know, just like, we need to like keep our 
hopes alive. Yeah. It's going to drive us through this time. Mm-hmm. And then thankfully they stuck with it. And now we're going to do it uh, in January in their small space. Um, and we're like putting together designers right now. And it's just, uh, it's really, it's really freaking exciting. It's really exciting. That's makes me happy. The fact that you said you were like, how do I, Wayne's world is how we yeah. sell it. Oh, yeah. Like, that's exactly what we're going to do. Schwings all around. Schwings all around. Schwings all around. Um, Ethan, the last time we spoke in the face, I would mm-hmm. say was when you were like, hey, hey, hey I'm doing a sales. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool, 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 cool. And then they, you know, classic stage company put up tickets and I was like, immediately buy. And then the world fully shut down. And I was like, I swear to God, if I don't get to see Harvey <laughs> Gavinson and Ethan, doing assassins i'm gonna freak out um so it's back on i'm super excited about it tell me like have you guys like rehearsed have you been like getting back into it how's that going (laughs) we did like two weeks of rehearsal before the world shut down and those two weeks were awesome and absolutely terrifying i mean you know like um i love playing guitar i love it i i play you know actually over the past year and a half i've been playing absolutely every day um, but I've been playing absolutely every day over the last year and a half because those first two weeks of rehearsal, I was like, yeah, I'm a guitar player. I showed up, there's Sondheim music. And I was like, yeah, I can play this. It's Assassins. I, I I know this music. It's not like the hardest Sondheim music. And and Ethan was wrong. It is so hard. Um, and it was so, it was like such an amazing challenge. So I was in rehearsal all day, like being surrounded by these actors of whom I'm in awe and I like, you know, love their work and and I love their personalities. And then I would go home and I would just like practice for two or three hours um, Mm -hmm. because like this, I I felt like I really had to rise to the occasion. And um, I've spent the last- You deserve to be in that stop. You fully deserve and should be there in that room. Thank you. Has any actor ever played this music while they're singing it? I mean, that's, that feels like a new thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I definitely, um, not in any production that I've seen on, uh, in person or on YouTube or on, um, recordings. Um, and I've no looked. thread for people that have done this. <laughs> right, right. What a, niche, to start one. what a niche Reddit thread that is. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. exists. <laughs> Are Broadway musicals with instruments. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's, it was like, it was just like such an exciting challenge and, and like a, like, what felt like the exact kind of turn that I want my career to take, like Nick was talking about, like this is um, pretty new in that way. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I, in terms of preparing to come back to rehearsal, I haven't really known exactly what the deal was going to be. And we are coming back in the fall. It's super awesome. But I have been like periodically coming back and like practicing the music. And I got myself mm-hmm. a mandolin, which happens to be right next to me yeah. um, because I have to play mandolin in it. Um, which is awesome, but I didn't play until this year. So um, yeah, it's just been like, it's, I I am pretty thrilled that we're going to be able to do it and that people are going to be able to see it. Um, But mostly that we're going to like get to redo rehearsal. The the one other thing that I'll say about Assassins at risk of being long-winded is that um, (laughs) we went into that rehearsal process being like, yeah, this is really um, relevant. There's like white male violence is like, a, a historic problem. Like yeah. it's just like really bad. Um, and that was something that we were sort of focused on. And then of course we like closed down and then January 6th is sort of the liminal space in which these assassins live together, right? Like assassins has this sort of um, liminal space kind of vibe and 
it was mm-hmm. just sort of the thesis was was proven in this new way. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm really excited and I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm excited about the the prospect of going into rehearsal and, um, you know, starting from scratch and, and throwing out those two weeks and, and seeing like, what is the world that this show is happening in now? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. It's it's great that you're going in with like fresh eyes coming from the world that we've been in. I feel like a lot of people are trying to do this thing where they're like, all right, um, you know, just got to reset and go back to day one. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> take, right. take what you've learned. Take what you've learned. Please. Yeah. I mean, that's the yeah. scariest thing is that I, yeah. I, I honestly don't know. I, I think we're all maybe a little bit, a lot bit scared that we're not going to return to uh, a better world. And, you know, the, 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 ch- the responsibility is just on us. It's on all of us to like, just hold ourselves accountable and everybody else we're around accountable to like really practicing what we preach because it's been so out of balance for so long. And it does feel like now, and this is the thing that excites me about it is that, you know, the art that is going to resonate is going to resonate because it responds to this moment and it responds to all of this stuff that's rumbling. And like, that's certainly something with Space Dogs too, where like we started writing it, it was very much about, um, you know, I'm not a puppet, you're a puppet. And like the, you know, the Putin of it all. And now like we have billionaires in space like today. Um, And so, you know, it's like this, this idea of the great beyond and, and the space force and all these things that will, you know, I think like edge of the world. And I think like art, the art that we admire, it's, it's saying it without saying it that works the best so that the audience can put those pieces together and that they can, um, you know, make some decisions about how to feel about it. And that's when theater really works. Yeah. I mean, audiences, they want it, they want to relate it to themselves the whole time anyways. Every audience, myself included, is selfish. So we want to we want to relate it to our own lives, and, and that's what we get to do here. That's what I really enjoyed also about Edge of the World is because I've dealt with like parental grief and all that stuff, and I I just was like I did I did want to and need to hear this, and I think that everybody does because we all experience grief in different ways. Even if it's you know a family member or it's you know your favorite pet or somebody that you really admire. Um, so I really appreciate this album. It's beautiful. I mean, I'm not just saying that because I got to listen to it early. Like, it really is really beautiful. So I'm excited for everyone else to hear it. And they can hear it everywhere August 6th. So you all should check it out. Thank you guys for joining me so much. This was great. Great. You're awesome. Thank you for having us. Thank you guys so much for listening to that. You can get the rest of the interview if you're on our Patreon. I highly recommend it. It's, it's gorgeous talking to them. I, I love these boys and the album is so very beautiful. But thank you for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. Don't forget about our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Broadway Radio where you get the news before everybody else and exclusive interviews. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Grace Aki. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. No, this is Ashley. Thank you guys so much. We will see you tomorrow. Bye.